Thank you, ladies. We're going to be in the Gospel of John tonight, if you want to be finding that. John chapter 7. Just a reminder, as I mentioned this morning, first time we've announced this, I think, the Bodges are going to be helping us with a midweek uh, program for children for our midweek service. Eight and under, I believe, is the eight, three, not all the way under, three, three to eight. <laughs> David said, says you got to draw the line somewhere. So we appreciate them being willing to do that. That'll not be this Wednesday, but the following week, the 15th. So we're excited about that. And I know parents who have four and five-year-olds will might appreciate that. John chapter 7. We're just going to read a few verses to begin tonight. You know... I think we'd all agree that a, a real important part of the Christian life is really determining God's will, discerning God's will. And there are no matters that are really too small to really want God's will. But the larger the matter is, the more important it is. I mean, if I go out to eat and I can't decide on pancakes or an omelet, you know, that I want I really want what's best, right? So I usually go for pancakes, but no. But but really we overlook a lot of things, make purchases, make friendships, uh, make decisions about priorities without con really considering what would God want. And really tonight I just really want to use a passage here that I think speaks to, as I said this morning. Uh, one of the most helpful, not the only, but a helpful matter that helps us really determine what, is really, what does God want? What would please the Lord? So we're going to read a few verses. If you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to begin reading in verse 14. John chapter 7 and verse 14. The Bible says, Now about the midst of the feast... Jesus went up into the temple and taught. Now, it's not telling us here exactly what he was teaching, but it turned into a teaching moment. He's teaching, and the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? And Jesus responded. Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, and that pronoun his is referring to the same pronoun, the same subject in verse 16, his that sent me, talking about the Father. My doctrine is not mine in verse 16, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, the Father's will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And so the question has to do with where Jesus learned this stuff. How does he know these things? And, and Jesus is, tells them, that they didn't originate with me. It's, it's not me, it's the Father's words, it's the Father's will. And then he gives us this Principle, really, I believe, about how to determine 
my will or God's will. Sometimes it's not easy to do that. We're going to talk about that tonight. And let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to study your word tonight. And Father, we gather together, Lord, to honor you, to seek you, Lord, to learn more about you. And Father, we, we confess, we acknowledge that, Lord, we really need in many ways and many times in our life to know, is this your will or just my will? And so I pray that you'd help us tonight, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So it just begins, again, with Jesus teaching in the temple. That's a familiar scene. If you read through the Gospels, we find this. Jesus going in different places, not always in the temple, but very often teaching and preaching. And this Jewish audience, think about this, this is the most you know, sacred place in the Jewish country. And Jesus teaching there, and this audience was impressed. It says in verse 15, the Jews marveled. That means that they were, they, they were in wonder, they admired it. They were, they, were, they were taken by what Jesus knew. Where did he get this information? And again, we see this other places. We saw it when Jesus was only 12 years old. When he had uh, separated from his parents, they had been to Jerusalem, they were on their way back to Nazareth, they couldn't find him. They found him in the temple and there he was just discussing with religious leaders, they were hearing him and, and they were astonished at his understanding, at his questions. And you know what, we would have been too, and we are as we have his word. But what was it that intrigued them so much? They, they didn't understand how he knew this stuff. Jesus had no formal education. He didn't sit at the feet of the Jewish leaders. He wasn't taught by the rabbis. How did he know what he knew? He did Whatever it was, they knew he did not get this from the regular channels of, of learning and teaching. And so Jesus said here in verse 16 to answer their question, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. And just a reminder, the word doctrine doesn't always mean the substance of what you're teaching. Doctrine sometimes is just teaching itself. It is teaching. It is doctrine. And, and he says that what I teach, what I'm teaching, the fact that I'm teaching this is not mine. It didn't come from me. It didn't originate with me. The truth that I'm giving, the teaching that I'm giving, it came from, notice he says in verse 16, it's his that sent me. It came from the one who sent me, referring obviously uh, to his father, referring obviously to his, um, his deity himself, the one that sent me. He came here. And, and so this truth, he says, came from someone else. Now I, wanna, I just want to insert something tonight about learning, and, and that is this. We, all of us that are saved, we also have a divine teacher. Now, we don't get our revelation directly from God. It comes through His Word. But we have, we have God's Word. We, we have Him to teach us. And when Jesus promised His disciples when He was leaving, and you can imagine what it would be like to lose Him, not only to lose Him as a friend, as a comforter, but to lose Him as a teacher... But he said, when I leave, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come. But if he comes, 
And one of the things he said he would do is, think about this, he will guide you into all truth. He will teach you. Young person, if you're saved, God himself lives within you. If you're really saved, the Spirit of God lives within us, and he will teach us. If we want to learn, he will teach us the things of God. He will guide us into truth. And he, he will even take things that he has taught us, according to what Jesus said, and he'll make them come back to our mind. He will refresh our memory. He'll guide us into truth. And so, so is, and by the way, that's what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. A disciple is one who wants to learn from God, wants to learn the principles of God, and he wants to teach us. And we ought to, you say, well, I'm, you know, when I got out of school, I'm done with that learning. No, we're always, if, we're, if we're saved, we're always in school. And he wants to be teaching us. And what he reveals here in this passage about, about knowing truth, I think is a real key to learning. Not just about learning doctrine, but it's about learning to know God's will. And I, I had a conversation just this past week. I was talking to another preacher and we were talking about ministry decisions and we were talking about just knowing God's will, not just for our personal life, but for the direction, for ministry, etc. And I said to this person, I said, you know, I've been, I've been pastor for 40 years. And, and I would have thought when I was 20 or 30 years old, when I get to this place in ministry, I'll, I'll know everything I need to know. So I, I'll be able to figure it. I always know God's will. But I said to this younger preacher, you know, there are times now that I just... I'm saying, Lord, I need to know. I need to know your will. I want to know what you want about this. We always ought to be in this pursuit of God's truth, of God's will. And so, so Jesus, look, if you look, they ask in verse 15, how knoweth this man letters having never learned? How does he know the things he knows? And, and then Jesus said in verse 16, my doctrine is not mine, but he really makes a shift, as he often does in his teaching in, in verse 17. And he shifts from his learning, how do I know what I know, to their learning. And how can they know, really know truth? And verse 17 says, if any man, notice any man, if any man, any person, will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Now, we know that Jesus is God. Jesus was God, is God. But they were wondering, how do you, looking at him as a mortal, they didn't recognize who he was. They didn't recognize his deity. And um, he, so, so he says, I'm going to tell you how you can know whether this is really God's truth or just my truth. And he wasn't saying he wasn't God. I'm just talking, I think he was looking to what they, how they looked at him. I'm going to tell you how you can know. And he says, if you're really willing, if you're really willing to do his will, he'll show you what his will is. And that's really what I want to focus on tonight. If any man will do his will, if any man will be surrendered to what God wants, then he can know the doctrine. He'll be able to discern. One of the things I believe that stands in the way sometimes for, for keeping us from knowing what truth is, is 
we're not willing really to see what the truth is. And by the way, they could, many of these people, there were exceptions, but many of these people never really got it as far as who Jesus was. Even though he performed miracles, even though they marveled at his teaching, even though he knew things that he could never, he should not have been able to know from if, if he was only human, all the things he did, they still didn't recognize who he was. How could that be? You ever wonder about that? How could they not get it? How could they have such thick skulls? And here's one of the reasons why they couldn't get it. Because they weren't willing to get it. They weren't willing to acknowledge who he was. And one of the things that keeps us sometimes from knowing what God's will is about things is because we want it to be something else. We're not really open to that. And so... What Jesus said is, if any man will do his will, he will know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And the, I don't think they were, I know, I can't, I'm not just saying I know, I'm confident. They were not open to the truth. They didn't want to recognize him for who he was. They didn't want to see him as the Messiah. They didn't want to recognize him as God incarnate. They didn't want to give up their religious system, their control. And so they weren't even open to it. They were in the dark and because they weren't willing to receive it. I was thinking with this in mind of, of some language that Peter used in his epistle, and I'm not going to turn to it tonight, but he was talking about, you'll be familiar with that passage, he was talking about how about the coming of the Lord and how people scoff at the idea of him coming. And he said this, they are, and here are the two words Peter used, they're willingly ignorant. They're willingly ignorant. Why, you know why they're... They, because really they choose the place of ignorance. They're not open to the truth. They, they just choose that place. You know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to chase this rabbit long. I just want to mention it. But I marvel at how people are in the dark, even in non-spiritual things, even when you get into the media and the political thing, how do people not get it? How can they not see it? You know why? Because so, they're not willing to see it. They're not willing to see the truth. And this is such an important principle to me when it comes to knowing God's Word. There's something more important than what I want God's Word to say, and that is what is God saying through His Word. There's something more important than doing what I want to do. I want to know what God wants me to do. And if I understand this correctly, you know, this is how one of the keys to it that unlocks the truth and unlocks the will of God. And that is we have to be willing to do whatever God wants us to do. And we have to see whatever God wants us to see. And by the way, this ought to be the pursuit of every child of God. We want to know the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth especially those who are claimed to be disciples, followers of Christ. We're not interested in truth agreeing with our beliefs. We're committed for our beliefs to agree with God's truth. And these, these are conversations that moms and dads ought to have together about we want to know God's will. What is God's will for our children? What is God's will for the things that we 
the guidelines we give our children. These are conversations that husbands and wives need to have about their future and their plans and their finances and their decisions. We want to know what God's will is. We want God to direct us. And we have to develop that mentality. We have to develop that, that discipline in our life. We're not just going to do what we want to do. We want to do what God wants us to do. And there are many examples, many examples of how relevant this is. You think about, have you ever talked to anyone? I, I certainly have. And, and, and we're the, and the subject of, let's just talk about the discipline of children, the correction of children. They say, well, you know, we don't do that without, we don't really correct our children that way because we love them too much. Doesn't that make good sense? And yet the Bible says that God corrects us because he loves us. You know where you get those ideas? That's, those, the, those mushy kind of ideas are ideas that we want to have. I've said this before, and I'm not, I'm not really, young people, feel relaxed. I'm not trying to talk your parents into correcting you. But I'm just saying, um, you know really who, my, my, I can remember parents saying, you know, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. And, and they lied to us about other things, too. But, you know, the reality is, the reason sometimes parents don't give consistent guidelines to their children is because it's harder on the parents. It's easier just to kind of let them have their way. We, we, need, to, we need to figure out what does God want. You know, you take someone, if you're sitting around the break room at work and the conversation comes up and somehow into the conversation um, you find yourself challenged with should women be pastors and preachers and and you know if you say well th this is what I believe you know what people are often people push back on that you know but we the point being we ought to really be able to figure out what does God say about this what does God the friends we associate with the music we listen to the way we spend our time our priorities you know all those kinds of things can be clarified if we could just say Lord I just want your will. I just want to know what you want about this. And there are many, many subjects. I, have, I, think, there, I think two of the more, most basic uh, practices to figure out what God's will is about things, two things, and there are more than this, but two basic primary ones. And one is to come to the place where you have no will of your own. I just want God's will. I just want God's will. And, and you know what? I think most of us who are really honest with ourselves, that's not always easy to do. It's not always easy to do. The other thing is to shed as much biblical light on it as you can. What does the scripture say? Directly, indirectly, principles of the scripture, commands, precepts of the scripture. Put all those, put all those things upon that and then answer according to God's will. And you know what? God wants us to know his will. It doesn't always come easy. It doesn't always come immediately. It may take time. But God wants us to know his will. And that's a process. And I just want to encourage all of us tonight, but especially as couples and as parents with children, Lord, I want to just take my will off the, off the table. What I, what I think, I want to remove that completely. I want to know I want to know what your will is. And I truly believe that one of the lessons 
that Jesus reveals to us in speaking to these people was here's a principle that reveals why sometimes we just can't see it. And the reason we can't see it is because we don't want to see it. It doesn't line up with our preconceived ideas or it doesn't line up with what we want to do. And there's so many examples as where we as God's children need to know His will. Um, the knee-jerk reaction, I think for most of us, would be, I'm talking about in the flesh, in our natural state, we just do whatever's convenient or do whatever's popular or do whatever causes the least amount of pain or the least amount of discomfort. But those questions are not the primary questions. The primary questions are, God, what do you want? What do you want for my life? My will or God's will? So Jesus said, if any man will do his will, he shall know. So we ought to accept this challenge tonight. That's what I want to present to us, to surrender our will, to be willing to surrender our will as a step to knowing God's will. Um, I want to, I was, as I was preparing this, I thought about a very familiar incident in the Bible. I want to turn to one example of it. Go to Luke chapter 22 for a moment. And you'll readily recognize this as when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane prior to going to Calvary. And it's just a very um, important, very favorite place in the scripture. We see it in the prayer of Jesus. We, we see how he addressed this in Luke chapter 22. Did I tell you the chapter 22? And let's look in verse 39. It says, And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. Ask his disciples to pray. And Verse 41 says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Here's his prayer. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat were as it were, was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And it continues. But I just want to focus on this aspect of Jesus' prayer when he said in verse 42, Not my will, but thine be done. And we know that Jesus was the sinless Son of God, and we know that Jesus could not sin and would not sin, and we know he came to do the Father's will. And, and he said that numerous times. But he, we see his agony, really, as he faced such an incredibly dark time and experience. And, but his prayer to me represents a position that, is, that all of us want to come to when we can say, God, it's not my will. It's not my will that I want. It's your will that I want. 
You know, I was listening to some of the words of the children's song a moment ago as they uh, sang about, you know, going to a far country. I don't remember the exact words. And, you know, as, I, as they were singing that, I was thinking about the challenge of those kinds of decisions for a young person or for an adult or for an adult whose child is going to another country or whatever the case might be. These are difficult challenges. It's one thing to sing that, and I'm glad they sing that, but it's another thing to be at the place where I don't really care, Lord. It's whatever you want. We want your will to be done. Not my will. You know, in, in our families, in our, in our moments of intense fellowship, sometimes we... We, we assert our will, we, we emphasize our, what we want, this is what, but you know what, there's something much more important than what I want. And that's what does God want. What is God's will? Not my will, but thine be done. There's something, there's something that really ought to always take precedent, and that's precedent, and that is what is God's will. And I think we have to work this. I'm, gonna, I'm spending the time on this tonight because I think we have to work this into our process, our thinking process. And that is, what does God really want? I, this, this simple passage here in Luke chapter 22, and, I wanna, I wanna, if, and if you're in the habit of making notes or writing in your Bible, I just want to give you three basic principles that apply to this whole subject right here from Gethsemane that, that helped me. And the first one is, it's very simple, but it's so important, and that is God has a will. God is interested in the decisions we make. God has a will. And if Jesus said, not my will, but thy will, he was recognizing that. And Jesus taught us to pray in the model prayer, thy will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. God has a will for your life. And not just your life in general, but in the specifics of your life. If you're a young person thinking about who does God want me to one day marry and spend the rest of my life with, that is a, I promise you God is, is more interested in that than you are. God has a will for your life. God wants us to know that will. So it's really important to make that as a, as a foundation to, to build upon, and that is no matter how basic the question is or important or unimportant it may seem, God has a will, and it's his will that we want. But there's a second principle, not only that God has a will, but the second one is this, that sometimes there is a struggle between our will and God's will. And that's fleshed out here in this prayer of Jesus. Father, if, if this could be your will, but nevertheless, I want your will to be done more than mine. I mean, drinking this bitter cup would be the choice that Jesus made. He could have called legions of angels to deliver him. He did not. He chose to go to the cross. To go to the cross would be his decision. But sometimes there's a struggle. I mentioned this morning, uh, just talking about the simple thing of asking for forgiveness and being willing to confess our sins. You know, when you wrong, when you, confess, when you sin against God, when I sin against God, there are times I don't even want to go to God. I'd be ashamed. I don't even want to go to God about it. But you know what? It's His will that we do that. 
And maybe you've wronged someone in your life. Maybe you've said something to your husband or your wife or you've acted before your children in a way that you shouldn't. Have you ever had to go to your children and say, look, I was wrong, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. You know, we have to, we have to choose. My will may be, my personal will may be, I just don't want to go there. I don't want to have to deal with that. It'll go away. They'll forget about it. One of these days it won't matter. That's the way we think. But we ought to be willing to say, God, I want your will. And if that means I have to humble myself and admit where I'm wrong, I'd be willing to do that. Some there, there, sometimes there's a struggle between my will and God's will. Maybe you don't have that struggle. Maybe, but uh, I was just go, having a situation just recently. I mentioned it, kind of alluded to it, uh, where there's something that if I had my personal preference, this is what I would do. But to be willing to say, God, even though my personal preference is to do this, I want to do what you want me to do. I want your will. And I want to follow you, even if it's not really what I would prefer. And so I went with God's will and I came to church today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a struggle. God has a will. And it's not just an, a default that we can always know. We have to sometimes struggle with that. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. So there's, number one, God has a will. Number two, there is a struggle sometimes between my will or God's will. But number three is the very thing that we started talking about in John earlier, and that is this. We must surrender our will, not my will. We have to surrender our will. And really, if you'd think about it, some of the most significant decisions that we make in our life are when we choose against our will or choose against our will and go with God's will. We have to surrender our will. Lord, I want to, I, not my will, but your will be done. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's more challenging than others. But it's always the right decision. Jesus said this himself. And this is the perfect place because Jesus is the perfect example. Jesus said, I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Wouldn't that be great to be said about any of us? I seek not mine own will. I don't have to have my way. I want to, I'm willing to surrender my will. So I come back to this, as I've said before. I think a great hindrance in knowing God's will is when our will is asserted, when our will is not surrendered. Uh, I thought about this the other night. Uh, Tiffany mentioned that song that we were singing, I'd Rather Have Jesus. There was just something about it that was special, really. And um, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause uh, than anything the world affords. I mean, those are beautiful words, aren't they? That's, a, that's, that's how we want to feel. That's how we ought to feel. And even in the song the other night, I commented about how meaningful uh, that was. Um, and I mentioned, actually, our guests, the Custers who were here, um, Ethan and Rachel, and how I'd watched them grow up and serve the Lord with their life. 
putting Jesus first. But as I thought about that, I was reminded of something. It's just a little testimony about something in their church years ago. And I'm very familiar with the church. I've been there a number of times. Um, and their church orchestra, to me, is um, it's just really an amazing orchestra. They have, they have a number of their musicians in their church orchestra who play in the symphony in Grand Forks. They're church members. They're devoted church members. Some of them are professional musicians. They play in the symphony, the Grand Forks Symphony. And years ago, there was this incident, this situation. It illustrates what I'm trying to say tonight. Where there was a conflict between the church's schedule, there was a church event, and the symphony schedule. There was a scheduled uh, concert, a symphony concert. And these young people in the church who played in the uh, orchestra uh, told the people at the symphony, the Grand Fork Symphony, we can't, we can't play on that night, but we have a church activity. And the, the church young people, they weren't being belligerent or proud. They just said, we, we can't. Church comes first. And the symphony canceled their orchestra because the church members said, we, we have to be in church. We, that's where we should be. And it, to me, I thought about that as I was thinking about that song. And, and some of our people put on Facebook, commented about, about those decisions, how sometimes, how sometimes we, we find ourselves doing things you know, we, well, we couldn't give up our kids' soccer game to go to church. I mean, soccer's important compared to what? You know what I'm saying? And so it's one thing to say these things. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather follow. But it's another thing to flesh them out and live, live those out. And you know how we do that? By asking the serious question, Lord, what is your will? What do you want me to do? Not what do I want to do. Not what do my children want me to do. What do you want me to do? What would be your will? And I'm thoroughly convinced that if we'll make those choices and decisions and work through that, we'll figure out not just what we want, but what does God want? And you know what? I think we can trust God to bless what He wants a lot more than we can trust Him to bless what we want. And God wants to do that. There's so many things that are, you know debated and discussed and argued about in our, in our day. There's so much of that stuff. And really, the main thing is, what does God want? What is, is there any direction from the Lord? And I believe this. I believe this with all of my heart. The more we surrender our will to God, the more we can know what God wants from our life. And the less often that we work those things out or make those things a priority to know, the less we're going to know what God's will is. And God's will matters. You know, James said, if the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. If the Lord wills. That's not just rhetoric. That's not just empty language. That's, that's truth. I'll do this if God wants me to do this. If the Lord wants me to make this trip, if the Lord wants me to do that. You know, jo Jonah's an example of this. Jonah knew it was God's will to go 
to Nineveh, but he didn't want to go to Nineveh. And, you, you know, the mindset of some folks would be, well, it just doesn't really matter to God. I mean, if you go to Nineveh, you go to Joppa, you know, wherever you go, it's okay. No, it's not okay. God has a will. And I'd like to encourage us tonight to, to try to really make this a priority in our life. What does God want? And then, not only personally, but to work on that in our families, with our children, as couples. What does God want? Would God be pleased with this? Let's, let's just say, Lord, we're going to turn this over to you. We're going we're gonna, to, best we can. And there's some things, I mean, there's some things it's easy. If you were to say to me, uh, preacher, um, you need to pray about this and whatever you think God's will is, but I'd, I'd like to have you over for strawberries. You know what? I, hate, I, can't, I don't like strawberries. It'd be easy for me to say, Lord, I, I, you know what? I'm going to deny myself. God bless you, but I'm not, I don't like them. You know what would be hard for me to say? You know, God, and by the way, I've gone to places. My wife will testify to this, where people put strawberries before us and I ate them like I loved them. You know why? Because I felt like that's not what I want. But I don't want to offend people. Now, if you ask me about eating brownies and ice cream, I wouldn't even have to pray about that. I just know that's God's will. But sometimes things are easy to decide. But sometimes they're hard to decide. Sometimes your friends may not understand. Sometimes you may have to talk to your children about it and say, Look, we've prayed about this. We believe this is God's will. And one of the things that came up in this discussion that I just want to end with this is we look at people, if we're honest, we look at people in certain situations, maybe even in our own country, but certainly in other cultures, where people are putting their lives on the line literally for their faith because they know what they're doing is God's will and yet here in this country we're so soft sometimes that we think any little old, we call it sacrifice it's not really it's more an inconvenience not a sacrifice that it's like it's some big deal and why would people be willing to do that why why do we make much of this to our children that people in our history, the history of our faith, that people have been burned to death rather than compromise on certain doctrines of the Bible? And we can't even give up some little inconvenience? Do you see how, how those things don't even, aren't even agreeable to each other? The question is not what do we want, it's what does God want? What would God want us to do? If the reports that some of us are seeing and hearing out of Afghanistan are true, there are children that are watching their parents killed before their eyes because of their faith, because of their decisions. 
And I'm not saying that to boast on them. I'm just saying this. We ought, to, we ought to really think hard and serious about the decisions we make and say, I'm not just doing this because it's easy or convenient or popular or because my friends do it. I want to do this because God wants me to do it. Or I'm not going to do this because I know it wouldn't please God. And what I understand is the more we surrender our will to God, the more we're able to determine really what does God want for us. Let's bow our heads together for prayer tonight. With our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed. Maybe tonight, I don't know this, I can't know this, but maybe tonight you're actually going through something, living in something where you really need to know what does God want. And maybe tonight this is the the thing that will help you is to come to the place where you really say, Lord, I don't want my will. I want to surrender my will. It's not what I want. Lord, I want what you want. I want your will. Whatever your will is. I love the psalmist language and it's repeated in Hebrews. I delight to do thy will, O God. I delight to do your will. There could be folks here tonight and you just never really think much about it. And I don't say that critically. It's just sometimes we just go through life making decisions. We don't really think about how important it is, but it is important. Our Father, as we pray this evening, God, we thank you that you have a will for our life. And Father, sometimes... It is so clear, it's so spelled out in the scripture that if we have open hearts and minds, then we can see it. Sometimes it's not so easy. Sometimes, Lord, I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes I struggle with just surrendering to your will. God, help us. I pray you'd help us as a church, help us individually, as families, as individual Christians. Help us to come to the place that we say, not my will, but thy will be done.